Welcome to The Golden Shadow. My name is Aaron Rogerson. And I'm Melissa Polizzi. Today, we're talking about active imagination. This is a practice where we allow the unconscious to express itself through different creative mediums and meditations. It's a method of assimilating unconscious contents through some form of self-expression. And this is kind of vague, and this is why active imagination is something that I personally have trouble making sense of. Um, Wes and I have gotten into a lot of arguments about what active imagination actually is. <laughs> so this episode is going to have perhaps a more curious and playful tone than usual, even though honestly we're usually pretty curious and playful. Mm. But we're exploring something that I don't really know how to wrap my head around and I can't seem to manifest it in my own practice. And I have some gripes, you might say, with how it's being defined. Mm. So uh, that's why this episode is going to be an exploration of yeah. this vague phenomenon, active imagination. So Alyssa, what are we talking about here? Yeah, um, active imagination, this very specific term comes from... Of course, Jungian psychology, which we talk about quite often on the podcast, and it's a technique that was developed by Jung, um, I think primarily during the years of uh, his confrontation with the unconscious, breaking off with Freud, mm -hmm. going very deep into this space of turmoil and inner exploration. Um, it's the time of the red book. Yeah. Right? Yeah. The red book and most recently the black books that have come out. Mm -hmm. um, this was documented this these experiences that he had and naturally sort of uh, sort of found himself in this place where he would drop into this very deeply kind of meditative trance-like space and all of these images from the unconscious were coming up and uh, how he worked with them the ability to kind of dive further to gain clarity to kind of dream the dream onward as some may say came from this time and was later then integrated into the practice of uh, analytical psychology. So it became this tool for dream work, understanding dream images, um, fantasies, you know, all of these different aspects that seem to appear from the unconscious, even certain a mood hits you, you know, let's do some active imagination on that. So it was born from really trying to understand the purity of unconscious contents. Right. This kind of reminds me of our conversation about dreams. Mm, that's and right. That's one way that I can try and make sense of what we're talking about yeah. is there's almost this notion of the unconscious expressing itself uninhibited. Right. Except when you're dreaming, you're asleep. Mm -hmm. And it happens yeah. automatically. Right. It's almost like you have no control over yes. it. And maybe even if you're having a lucid dream, you still don't really have control over what is being created the world that's being shaped, the images that are coming across. Yeah. And it kind of seems like active imagination is at least pointing to this idea of that happening while you're awake mm -hmm. in some regard. Yeah. And maybe it's not accurate to say it's a waking dream that might be misleading, but there's something about the unconscious speaking yeah. and you letting it speak right. and trying to get into that mode with the intention of uh, gaining some insights or... Mm -hmm. um, letting the unconscious sort of process maybe, or there's something therapeutic yeah. about the intention. Sure. Yes. This happen. yes it is like a kind of meditative practice mm -hmm. almost. But yes. when you say meditative still, it might 
be misleading to some people who have a yeah. strong association with that word meditation. Right. Yeah, it, it's hard to find the right words. And I think that's partly why we've struggled so far. <laughs> Certainly. I, I definitely struggle with not being able to define something. Yeah. And that's, that's when I get really uh, riled up. It's yeah. like I want to I want to establish what something is. Yeah. I want to know what it is. Right. And if I don't know what it is, I'm going to work to find a way to make it make sense yeah. according to my paradigm. Mm-hmm. And active imagination is something I've struggled with because I can't find a way to like define it properly. Yeah. Yeah. It It's at its core a technique that's being used to integrate and understand unconscious material as we're sort of circumambulating right now. Mm. It's about creating this bridge between ego, conscious awareness, and that deep, deep layer of psyche. So in this process, you're giving voice, as you're saying, letting the unconscious speak or becoming a witness to the natural ways in which the unconscious is breathing and moving. And, you know, it doesn't really want to talk to us necessarily. It's almost like we open up, you know, the door and we're peering inside and it's like, huh, what's going on here? And we are doing this in a more conscious, more intentional way, rather than when we are exposed to uh the, the unconscious contents of dreams, you know, we're asleep and ego is kind of there in, in a little fraction of its, mm. uh, of its true form. So active imagination is an attempt to bridge that space in waking reality and to allow us to really dive into uh, unconscious material. Right. And, uh, you know, it's difficult to make sense of this because you're not necessarily going full unconscious you might say and i mean even the word unconscious is difficult because we think of someone like actually like passing out onto the floor like oh they're unconscious yeah and that's not exactly what we mean when we're talking about the unconscious it's Mm -hmm. like you want to let the unconscious express itself fully if you can um you don't want to be too much in rational ego mode or it's or it's not going to happen it's not working and so you and i are talking right now we're being pretty rational. Mm-hmm. We're being pretty conscious. Yeah. Um, we're definitely not just letting the unconscious express itself. <laughs> like it's like, that's not happening right now for yeah. me. Like I'm yeah. definitely, I'm, I'm exerting a lot of control over what I'm saying, mm. where this conversation is going. I have a structure. I'm looking at my phone to make sense of where we're going. Yeah. And active imagination is almost trying to find a way to let that structuring impositional aspect of your being which is trying to frame things yeah. and maintain a straight ahead narrative right. and yes, make things yes. seem linear. Yeah. That's trying to say like, look, five minutes ago you were in the kitchen. Now you're here. Yeah. That's your story that you're living right now. Mm-hmm. And this is where you're going to go after this is you're going to uh, go make dinner in an hour. It's like consciousness is trying to do that. And we're yes. trying to have consciousness in some sense, step aside mm-hmm. a little bit yeah. and let the unconscious breathe mm-hmm. and not have ego stepping in to be like, wait, 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 yeah. wait. It's like, yeah, you're going into like a weird territory unconscious. Yeah. I don't want to go there. Let's right. not go there. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's exactly right. And, I, and what, what that means, what that entails, it, it could be a lot of things, yeah. right? Yeah. It could be unlimited, you might say, in the, yeah. in the way you might approach this. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think it's important to hold the tension between consciousness being present to be a witness and to to maintain the connection while also recognizing how to release and how to let go and how to allow some other part of yourself to come forward. And so that 
principle, that idea alone for some might be really intuitive and natural. It's like, yeah, okay, I can slip into that. For others, it's incredibly difficult. And so working with active imagination may just for a while be the process of training yourself similar to a meditation practice to quiet the mind, except now we're, we're quieting ego consciousness. We're saying, you know, let down that need for control. Let's not worry about the continuity. What comes up might not make sense. That's okay. Let it happen. So how can we maybe put forward some examples of what this what this might be? Mm. I mean, this is this is related to shamanic journeying. Yeah, I in think in some yeah. way there's overlap there. Yeah. We don't want to say there is the exact the exact same thing. Yeah. Excuse me, but shamanic journeying is something that people listening might be more familiar with. Perhaps yeah, maybe less, maybe less familiar with. Yeah, but that's an example of entering this realm, mm. right? Mm-hmm. And what does that look like in yeah. journeying? How, yeah. how do we describe that? Journeying. Um, so you, not that I'm fully informed of all traditions with shamanic journeying, but from my own practices and experiences with it, there is first and foremost an intentionality that's going into this process of journeying deep within yourself. And through the shamanic framework, there is this there is this kind of like mythological uh, environment, you mm-hmm. know, there's the lower world, the middle world, the upper world. So there's like, you're working in an entire framework yeah. with, with journeying, but it's great because it sets up a container for you to explore these dynamics. Mm. So there's an intentionality. You're often being induced into a more trance like meditative state often with, uh, by sound drumming is the most typical, but you might also have like rattles or things like that. Mm-hmm. A certain like BPM should be hit so that it kind of allows you to, I don't know, like you feel like you're being cradled in this, uh, in in like this vortex of like really powerful sound. So within that you're setting a stage and an environment and you're intentionally going to move into a space inside of yourself. So like maybe the lower world to gain some clarity, to interact with some sort of figures. And then you follow this journey through a what I would say is like a very imaginative imagistic uh, kind of meditative style practice for me it's highly visual not that I actually see the pictures or the images but Mm -hmm. you know it's like you're imagining it but it's not quite of your own creation so anyways journeying um, is a very similar uh, framework as active imagination and but it's kind of contained in its own um, kind of like a cultural framework Right, so I imagine there's this idea that you're sort of observing what's happening Mm -hmm. as opposed to controlling what's happening. Yeah. And again, this gets weird because like, who are you? If you are not controlling what's happening, what you are we referring to? Right. We're kind of talking about the ego. Right, yes, we are. We're talking about ego. Right, so when we say you, this sort of autobiographical I, Mm -hmm. it's like if I was journeying i wouldn't be making what's happening whatever i'm seeing whatever i'm experiencing whatever i'm feeling i wouldn't be making that happen yeah as if there's some sort of setting it's like i'm not trying to fill the setting with Mm -hmm. my own contents Mm -hmm. it's almost like i'm just sort of observing the setting fill itself yes and this isn't the best analogy but it reminds me of sort of that movie being john malkovich where it's like the person crawls through this tunnel 
and they end up being inside John Malkovich mm. and they can't do anything. Mm. They're just observing yeah. as John Malkovich lives his life. And like they're, they're basically experiencing this story, but they're not in control. Right. And so it's like John Malkovich is going around and he's, he's saying things and he's, he's doing things doing and he's touching thing. things yeah. and someone else is inside him watching the entire yeah. time. And it's almost like when you're journeying, there's kind of just like this observational thing of like your unconscious is doing something. Yeah. It's telling a story. It's filling this setting with contents, but you're not really controlling any of mm-hmm. it. Yeah. It's, throughout I like, the movie, this, this is the other part of the analogy, throughout yeah. the movie, the person who is observing John Malkovich do things, he starts trying to exert more and more control ah, until okay. eventually he can actually control John Malkovich and he just takes him over. And it's almost like the ego wants to be like, let me force what's going to happen right. in the journey and process. Yeah. And you don't want to do that, mm, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's yeah. kind of the point is you want to let go yeah, you want to let just go. kind of observe what had happened. Mm. I like this example of the movie, which I haven't seen by the way, but mm, this idea of it. like tun- tunneling in through is uh, so classic to shamanic journeying specifically mm. with like the lower world. You naturally, it's not even like they tell you this, but like naturally this seems to happen is like you burrow lower and lower and you're often kind of moving through a tunnel. Like for mm. me, it's like I look for some sort of entrance into the lower world, which might be like, under a rock or I might just like dive into the ocean and I just Mm. keep going down, down and down. And then I'll hit like a tunnel. And then I like, I'm running. I don't know why I'm always run. I think it has a lot to do with the drum beat, but I'm always like running. And then I like kind of blast out into this like other stage and it's Mm. like this really natural setting. Mm -hmm. Um, and then things start to unfold. Right. So anyways, that kind of tunneling deeper into the unconscious is very present for the shamanic imagery that comes up and, being a witness as we're saying to what is happening while at the same time holding that tension between how can I be present and conscious to the, to what's happening? How can I interact with it without exerting too much control? So it isn't nothing, you know, it isn't a total releasing. Yeah. It's, it's a little bit of both. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, uh, there's, um, an interesting, when people do, shamanic journey mm-hmm. at least this is a stereotype i would say um but often it's sort of uh, drugs are mixed in to the process um yeah often meaning if this is like legitimate shamanic journey i guess often <laughs> there's like sort of like ayahuasca or stuff like that right that's i don't even know if like classic like uh, like ayahuasca what do they call them ceremonies and stuff is like they're trying to take you through classic journeying but rather like taking pretty intense psychedelics will throw you into a very similar space of like the unconscious material rising up right but right. like it's flooding you yeah. instead of you easing into it um Right, and, with, the, with the psychedelics in general, it's just, I mean, the experience mm. of psychedelics is sort of, I mean, it, it's not as if like when you're taking psychedelics that you are suddenly <laughs> doing active imagination or you're suddenly right. journeying, but right, you right. can understand the idea that w- when you take psychedelics, it's like, what's happening? Right. Yes. It's like, well, often the unconscious contents that are normally, yeah. uh, well, um, I don't want to say buried it's, and necessary, it's but it's damned, right? right? And it's then the flood, and then the floodgates open. <laughs> well, hopefully you don't have a flood, because I mean, if you're but on a really some bad people trip, do. some people do, and you have a really, really bad you trip, take and you really just strong lose drugs, your mind. Like, yeah. But you can kind of just understand this concept here of like when you take psychedelics, you are in some sense opening a door to, mm. the, to the unconscious yes, contents, yes. and they will start pouring out. Yes, they and will. then things will start happening where it's like you will start 
thinking and feeling things that you mm-hmm. would not mm-hmm. think or feel when you were mm-hmm. sober. Mm-hmm. You might start uh, over predicting your visual yeah. field where you're, you'll start hallucinating essentially right, yeah. where your vision is starting to kind of project more intensely mm-hmm. and you're already doing this when you're awake you're already actually projecting yeah your reality in some sense but like it's doing so in a way where it's going a little um over the top mm-hmm. and the unconscious contents are now like uh leaking into what you're seeing yeah and so yeah. patterns are moving and maybe you just see leaves on the ground and then to you they like look like cockroaches or something like that and like you probably know they're not actually cockroaches but <laughs> right. you can still kind of be like oh it kind of looks like they're moving um and you can understand how like this the whole experience of psychedelics the reason people do take psychedelics as as, as an entheogen mm. is because it can be useful um or it, obviously it's just fun for people it's mostly yeah. i'd say why people take psychedelics because it's like entertaining but that um the contents below the surface are uh welcomed up mm. i mean with drugs it's like they're forced up it's like chemically induced yeah yeah but the journeying and active imagination maybe let's say is is trying to get in touch with those unconscious contents yes. in a way that doesn't involve um drugs yes. it isn't chemically induced it's a way of getting into a meditative practice that allows the same contents to come to the surface yes. and you observe them yes much more uh, sort of sustainably the pace of which uh the unconscious is like building on itself is not going to be exponentially like a, a growing from one moment to the next as mm-hmm. it does with with psychedelics it's like it's like zero to a hundred sometimes you know um working with shamanic journeying or active imagination is a much more controlled environment and specifically there's lots of ways to practice journeying that it's it's not drug related at all it's often by sound as i mentioned earlier so you're inducing a type of altered consciousness you might say by music and i personally find it incredibly powerful like the music sets the stage for me Mm. and like having it either live or in my ears with headphones it's like mm -hmm, i can drop right in and you can do this in a way that's a little bit of a safer container rather than uh, the path of psychedelics right so some of the the other things that are mentioned let's say in this process of active imagination there are there are some Mm. notions of um, this practice being channeled through artistic mediums. Yeah. Um, this is something that I kind of have a problem with that <laughs> I've argued with Alyssa about because yeah. a lot of it to me is like, well, that's just being creative. Like any creative act is like this, but, yeah. but still this is, is something that mm. is, is written about that like yeah. part of that imagination could be that you are letting the unconscious express that the unconscious contents express themselves. Mm-hmm. And what happens is you're doing that through dance yeah. and you're sort of expressing something you're channeling something that's within you that is not the ego making decisions yeah where the ego is like okay left foot out right foot out <laughs> shake it all about like ego is telling you what to do it's like no the unconscious is just like you just find yourself moving mm-hmm. and you're dancing mm-hmm. and your body is wiggling or you're sort of finding this energy flow through you and you're sort of letting the unconscious express itself in some way right that could also be true for I mean, any creative act you could you could think of. I mean, if if you were painting, you might paint something and you have no idea where it came from, and it might even freak you out mm. because you just have let yourself have let the unconscious sort of speak onto the onto the paper. Mm. You might be writing something and you're just not thinking about it, but just writing, 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 writing. Yeah, might not even be grammatically. It might not even make any sense or be coherent, but you might just be writing all these words. They're just kind of like 
like fire and destruction and death. <laughs> and it's like, where is it coming from? It's like, well, the unconscious is sort of speaking through you. Yeah. And that or, doesn't mean that all yeah. this is active imagination, but right. it's still, you're kind of trying to, again, we're circumambulating something. Right. There's yeah. something about the unconscious expressing itself. And that's what creative people do. They harness the unconscious yes. to yes. generate material. Yes. Where did this song come from that I wrote? It's like, I don't know. It just appeared. Mm-hmm. I just found the song like in me. Yeah. And it's like, so did you sit down and compose it? It's like, or did you just sort of let it compose itself? Mm. And that's the weird mm. concept, right? Yeah, yeah. It's like it composed itself. And usually when we normally think about ourselves, like that, that doesn't really compute. Yeah. It's like, well, what do you mean it just composed itself? But, but in reality, that's actually what we're doing. Mm-hmm. The unconscious is actually driving a lot of, a lot of our actions. Yeah. A lot of the things that we create and we do creative acts daily. Mm. I mean, even cooking is, you know, very creative. Like yeah. a lot of things we do, we don't think of as being like art, but it's creative. Yeah. And there's something bubbling up to the surface if we let it that just expresses itself. Yeah. And active imagination is trying to tap into this creative energy. Yeah. I think, you know, the literature that brings this up is trying to recognize that people will have certain tendencies where they're going to find it easier to drop into that space of active imagination using these different mediums. And I don't know, I I feel like in my experience, it, it would be really hard for me to translate some of that out of the more like meditative, imaginative journeying style, but Mm. I could very easily understand that somebody else who's maybe not as visual as I am would like look at my technique and just be like, I cannot do this. It does not make sense. So what might an alternative be? Hmm. So what maybe like the, um, if someone was going to try and enter into active imagination in a very basic, straightforward way, yeah. what would be the process? Yeah. How would you, how would you go about doing that? Let's say. Yeah. So we come back in first to working with the unconscious image. So where is this coming from? Or if it's not an image, it's, something that's been born from a relatively less conscious uh, manifestation, you know, so maybe a mood that's come up, um, a dream figure, maybe this uh, kind of daydream feeling or emotional undercurrent, whatever it is, we're, we're trying to grasp and anchor into something. So we're not starting at zero. We want to work within the, uh, I don't know, some sort of framework that's giving you a place to start so that you're not just, you know, opening up, you know, the door to mm. nothing. So what is the the dream image? What is the character? Mm. What is the the tone or mood, the, the bad mood that you are in? Like personify the bad mood and start there, right? Mm. So you select and anchor that unconscious image in your mind with that focus and you kind of start to move into that trance-like altered consciousness state which Mm. maybe sounds intense but really it's just about allowing yourself to drop in and for me that comes with some deep meditative breathing with clearing my mind and allowing myself to feel present yet consciousness not just being super super alert and I hold that image in my mind and then it's about letting it move what happens to it Um, as you drop in and the unconscious image takes shape, does it shift in some way? Maybe it doesn't. Maybe you're just like staring at this image in your mind and nothing's happening. So this is where ego can come in, Mm. you know, ask it a question, you know, 
you know, what do you represent for me? Or mm. why did you appear in this dream? This mm. is why we, we, we create the bridge between consciousness and the unconscious because it isn't necessarily just going to, you know, you, you put the, the unconscious image on, on the TV and it's going to start just playing. It's like, no, you have to work for it sometimes. Mm. So it's that dance between ego and unconscious. Mm. So what narrative is forming, you know, or what tone is coming up? How are things shifting? We're letting the image breathe. You're letting it speak. Like literally sometimes you kind of feel like you're picking up on certain words that are coming to you. Mm. Maybe it's just an inner knowing. Maybe a new image emerges. So ask a question, cultivate a dialogue, walking that line between inquiry and active listening. And you kind of go through that process. Um, for me, I like to have something playing in the background that allows me to have like a contained amount of time, usually about like eight minutes so that, you know, I'm not just kind of lost in it or like, like music. Yeah. You need yeah. It's like eight minutes of music. Yeah, exactly. Like I have a track playing in my ears. And um, this is presumably like a very repetitive music. Yeah. Actually like my favorite. Like you're not pointing to heaven for eight minutes <laughs> no, or so, like that. Yeah. This is where that kind of like, what's your favorite meditation music? Right. Like, um, I actually listened to this Brian Eno song. So it's like instrumental and it's mm -hmm. like very cosmic -y sounding. It's called stars. Mm -hmm. Um, I've been listening to it for years. It's kind of like my unintentional meditation song. I don't know why it just kind of happened, but it's eight minutes long, like nearly. And I find that to be a great amount of time for doing active imagination, like long enough to experience some things and explore, but not too long. Um, so you do that dialogue, you follow the images, things grow and move and you interact and you witness. And then after that, you come out of it, you know, you just become more present in your body and, mm. you know, not that it necessarily feels like you've been gone, um, but just, you know, similar to if you've been like lying in Shavasana after a yoga class, it's mm -hmm. like, ah, uh, you're kind of waking, waking back up. And then it's all about processing, um, what came from this experience. Now it's time for integration, um, and assimilation of those unconscious contents. So what insights were gained? How does this apply to your current understanding of, uh, yourself or other conscious states, um, what does this unconscious content bring up for you? What new perspective? Is it a compensation? You have to sit with it, mm -hmm. you know, journal about it, concretize it. Then draw, you can draw or do something artistic even after the act of imagination. Mm. Can you give us an example of yourself doing this? Mm. I'm sort of bypassing our structure here that we okay. have written down, but like, <laughs> I feel like that's the intuitive place to go. Sure. This is so it would be helpful. Explain this process. Yeah. You've done it yourself. Mm -hmm. Can you sort of illustrate a, a real life example of, of what you have done yeah. with this and how, how it came about? Yeah. Well, for, for today's episode, I wanted to do an active imagination on a dream image um, based on the dream series, which mm -hmm. was, I don't know, episode 23, 22, 18, 18. Wow. I'm super off. Anyways, Alyssa, Alyssa dream series, check yeah. it out because this will make much more sense. If you listen to that episode already, I wanted to give you guys something to consider because you've heard that dream before and we talked about it and now I'm building on it. So the, the dream image that I wanted to anchor into was that of the bear, which appeared in two dreams. Mm -hmm. The first one being I, I came upon a dead bear on a path and skinned it and like turned it into a coat and wore mm -hmm. it. And then the second dream is going up a mountain path 
and there are all these wolves and it's really cool. And then there's a bear and I freak out and there's like, I, I run away mm-hmm. and I still haven't quite figured out to me what that symbol of the bear represents. So that's my goal with this active imagination. Here's this unconscious image. What does it symbolize for me? Yeah. Anyways, I did this active imagination earlier because uh, for me doing it live doesn't really work. You mean this morning? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So um, very quickly, uh, first and foremost, it's about setting the environment. So I've got my song. I like to either like light a candle or burn some sage. It makes me feel really relaxed. What's the I song? Um, Brian Eno's song called Stars. Hmm. So it's, there's no uh, lyrics, you know. Mm-hmm. I would recommend doing something instrumental. Sometimes I'll listen to. Right. Uh, you want to kind of like ambiance. Yeah, ambiance. to like yeah. a story right. structure, which a lot of like, I mean, this sounds strange, but like a lot of like pop music is actually sort of like a story mm-hmm. where it's like you're going somewhere and there's a climax and then yeah, you kind of yeah. finish it out. Like you, you want something yeah. that's a little more kind of It would just be like too a, distracting. Right. You, know? you want something that's more kind of like an atmosphere. Yeah. Atmospheric. Um, or I also have a track of shamanic drumming, which mm. is like really great. Um, so sometimes. What's, what's the tempo of the music that you like? Um, is there a tempo or is it kind well, of Well, it's like, different because the shamanic... Yeah, I'd say like the Brian Eno songs more like that. It's like the shamanic music is kind of like it's like yeah, yeah. It's it's got like a really intense pace to it, and I think that's why I always run in my active imaginations when or in my journeying, shamanic journey. That sounds kind of intense, honestly. It doesn't stay that intense though. But is that is that the tempo? Like you've listened to it before. Do you remember? It is. Wow, it just sounds like sprinting. I know, because when I drop in from the ground and I'm in the tunnel, I yeah. always run. Well, okay. And then I kind of burst out and mm. then I start walking. Mm-hmm. So I don't, it's not like really intense the whole time. Sure. At some point, it almost feels like the music just sort of slips away. Right, right, of course. So anyways, listening to atmospheric Brian Eno, I'm feeling relaxed and I'm bringing up that dream image of mm. the bear So I'm anchoring into that and closing my eyes, taking some deep breaths, and Mm. I'm fairly practiced in this so I can get into this state pretty quickly. So I'm just going to kind of read through what I wrote. Is it visual? The anchor? Is it an an image, a visual image of the bear? It's, um, you know, that's the intention, right, is the bear. But when I entered into it, it was like pre-bear. It was like two steps before the bear. -bear. (laughs) Pre-bear. All right, I'll let you, I'll let you go um, ahead and read yeah. it. Yeah. Okay, so I bring the image of the bear um, into my mind's eye, but then it changes, and I'm walking up the mountainside, and I can feel the heaviness of the pack on my back. Suddenly, there's the rush of the wolf pack, and I can feel my heart kind of running with them. I feel the parts of me that are wild and free, the canine playfulness, the responsibility and belonging of being in a pack, I easily relate to these dream images. They remind me of who I am and what I know of myself, but I sense the challenge on the horizon. I am walking up the mountain path, attempting to ascend the mountain and reach the summit. The bear is blocking the way, but I do not run this time. I feel the echoes of the fear in me, though. I sense the support that the wolves had given me earlier to run forward into the challenge bravely. I am consciously reaching out, trying to understand what it represents. In a way, I'm asking the bear, who are you? What do you represent to me? And I feel a deeply feminine presence echoing an answer back. 
The scene changes and I am standing in front of the dead bear. In a previous stream, I came upon its body as if it was an offering. There is emergent property in me, and I will call it the archetypal force of the mother. This is a mother bear, fiercely protective of her young, capable, independent. I am realizing that there is something deeply instinctive in me that knows how to work with this symbol. Just as in the dream, I begin removing her hide and wear it as a coat. I know how to step into this role. It is about motherhood, but more importantly, about mothering. It is about the nurturance that I naturally extend to the world that needs to be turned inward, to the wounded child within that needs to be cared for, to evolving the inner feminine to be stable and grounded in herself. I am now making connections to many dreams I have had of babies and children where they fall from my grasp. I want to care and parent them, but something is always going wrong. I am never able to hold them. There is a deep resistance and fear, a threshold that is waiting to be crossed. I both embrace and reject this part of myself. I nurture while also being absent. I am critical while also birth birthing new creation. The bear demands a new transformation. So you sit down. Mm -hmm. You light some incense or something. Mm -hmm. Or you cleanse, cleanse your room. Mm -hmm. Sure, what you said. <laughs> uh, you have the music play, mm -hmm. and then you essentially meditate. Yeah, you try to drop into this place where this can happen. Yeah, and then what you were just reading mm -hmm. is what you start to experience. Yeah, you're feeling these things. Yeah, are you seeing these things in some sense? Is it very visual, kind or is of. it more kind of like emotional? It's um. It's certainly not something that's like I'm I'm seeing it like a movie. Mm. Like it's that visual and it's that real. So it's like an emotionally toned feeling spaced imagery driven experience. <laughs> it's and, like the best way to explain it. And is is it would you say it's like similar to like a dream? Like yes. Do you feel like you're dreaming while you're awake? Yeah. And it's kind of like the same process is almost happening. Yeah, because I almost feel like in my dreams it's like I don't know if I really see those images, right? but I know what's happening and I mm -hmm. could explain it to you. And I, if, if, if I had to ex like, you know, this is what's happening in the environment. This is what that character looked like. I could tell yeah. you, but I don't think I'm experiencing it as a, uh, a really realistic image. And then when does it end? It's just when the music stops playing. Yeah, often, like, especially what's great about this track is it kind of, like, fades out slowly. So there's something natural that takes me out. Right. Um, it doesn't just end abruptly. No. Where it's, like, the mall and bear is like, and here is the wisdom. Oh, it's yeah. over. Sorry, no <laughs> wisdom this time. That could happen, yeah. right? You just kind of get, like, knocked out of the space. But, yeah. um, no, it, it was Imagine, like, a record scratch, like, at the end of the music. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I, I'd say it. But I've had other times when, and I'll specifically put it on a loop. So it kind of like fades out and then it fades back in. Mm -hmm. And sometimes I'll keep going. <coughs> so if I feel that's necessary, I will. Mm. But often, you know, to me, like around eight minutes is a good amount of time. And I'm following, you know, what's happening. And mm. then everything that I read is like, I, now it's time for me to transcribe what happened. And what you wrote down would you say that this is an analysis that you are 
projecting back onto what you just experienced or do you feel like during the experience you're actually having these insights like you actually realize these things yeah both you're coming to conclusions while it's happening yes i am coming to conclusions while it's happening afterwards just being like what the hell was that let me let me take it apart and make sense of it yeah i try probably means this you know yeah no i'm i i tried to write this as i was experiencing it so Mm -hmm. even that's like really hard and it probably just sounds like you know and like a dream analysis or Mm -hmm. something like that but no even in the dream like I've thought about the bear before, but I have not done an active imagination yeah. on it. And I've been pretty stumped about what the bear is. Mm-hmm. And the fact that it felt feminine was very strange to me. Yeah. And as that kept building and I was sort of like thinking about it in the, in the active imagination or mm-hmm. it was unfolding, it was like all of these things kept like unfolding and mm-hmm. revealing itself And as I mentioned, it's like I suddenly had this realization of connecting these dreams, which is a total other series for me of like I dream about kids or like babies often. And it's not violent. I am like dropping them or like they're falling out of my grasp, but they're never like getting hurt or dying. But it's really it's it's always been really strange to me. Hmm. And I just very much created a connection during the active imagination of that. So that's why I wrote that because it did not happen afterwards. It happened in the moment. And it was all of these feelings around mothering and motherhood and mother and child. And all of that was just happening in that moment. And after the fact, this didn't happen during the active imagination, but afterwards I remembered the episode we did on complexes. God, I don't remember that question, but you said something and I said mother in response. And I thought it was really Mm. strange. It was something like, that mother would be like, ooh, there could be tension around the mother. I should have mm-hmm. gone back and listened. But the there was something else after the fact where it's like, okay, there's something going on here. And from a personal place, like, you know, I don't have a lot of gripes or issues with like my personal mother. Sure. So to me, it wasn't like, I was like, man, that was kind of weird when I said that in the complex episode. Mm-hmm. But now that it's like happening in the active imagination with the bear she's very feminine it's a mother bear all these dynamics around like motherhood it's like okay there's there's a a pattern that's happening here interesting and surely something like this could be analyzed the same way you might analyze a dream yes right we do dream analysis Mm -hmm. there's not any reason why it should really be any different yeah right you're still kind of unpacking unconscious contents and being like where did this come from what does it mean yeah uh, how does it tie into our notion of like universal archetypes? How might it be a personal kind of archetype mm-hmm. that is unique to you? Like the wolves are for you, for yeah. instance, is sort of kind of unique to you. Also kind of based on something that's universal. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So hopefully that gives you an idea of what's happening. I know it's still hard to grasp. Mm-hmm. And I think that's part of it is... Uh, it, it's a it's a it's a weird space, you know, and recognizing that we're dropping into this imaginative unconscious realm. It's it's hard to put words to. Yeah, definitely. I mean, that's that's the nature of it. It's it's slippery. It's slippery, vague. Yeah. It's below the surface. It's mm. um, behind us. You know, all these ways of describing something that's very hard to tap into. Yeah. And that's part of the thing is like you're trying to look for it and you can't find it. And it's almost like if you just stop looking, it'll come to you, mm-hmm. which is very interesting. But yeah, I mean, I think that was an excellent illustration for anyone listening of cool what this could be. <laughs> um, but, you know, the, the other side of this is like, 
I can't do that. <laughs> right. Well, and that's, that's the next stage of this conversation. Well. It's like <laughs> what you're describing is something that like I've tried and it's just like, I don't get this. Nothing is happening. Yeah. Like, I don't know what you're talking about. Uh, th- th- like, this is something that can, that you can do to me. It's like, no, you can't. Right. Like, how does that work? Yeah. And so this is like, I try it and I'm like, mm, I'm just kind of like thinking about like my work as mm. I close my eyes. Mm. It's like, well, like get into like a, a mindfulness meditation. It's like, well, I could do that. I mean, I could kind of just empty my mind sure. and I can kind of just focus on, on sensations and I can kind of try to find like the center mm. of myself in all these ways. But that's still like, that's not the same thing as like yeah. this journey you're describing. Right. And that's what's interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, it's interesting to examine because, like, we have different personality types. Yes. Um, that yeah. might be a factor. There's there's different experiences we've had. Certainly, we've been touched um, in, in different ways by reality that mm. has activated different sides of us. Yeah. And I'm certainly a more sort of, like, analytical thinking type than mm-hmm. you are. Yeah. Um, but this whole idea that, like, you're trying to get the ego in some sense to step aside or you're trying to stop the... Um, impositional structuring ordering aspect of your personality you're trying to stop it from doing what it does mm. and let the unconscious be free yeah um and the structuring ordering as- aspect of my personality is very uh intense and yeah, superior super, super strong um and i can't get it to step aside very easily yes but i think that's why the adaptive technique that has been developed for you is interesting and yes it might not be the most like classic traditional form of active imagination but like we don't care about that no i care about what works and what what moves you so maybe it's a hybrid um yeah i mean it's it's interesting it's it's hard to say and like we don't i'm about to describe my own version essentially of active imagination and i don't I feel hesitant to call it active imagination because it's kind of like, it kind of doesn't really sound the same <laughs> as what you're describing. But, you know, we're just exploring this whole realm. It's yeah. like letting the unconscious speak. Mm-hmm. What does it take for that to happen for yeah. you? And for me, um, I've found that something that does do something to me and does activate some unconscious contents and very specifically something that makes me emotional, something that can get me to cry mm. is this other way of approaching this, which... It's not something I've really even read about anyone else doing. I'm sure I'm sure I'm just like, oh, I invented this. It's like, no, I didn't invent this, but I, I certainly didn't read about it anywhere. I yeah. just sort of like came up with it. Um and if there's anything that can get me to like to cry, it's like pretty few things, but like this can. Mm-hmm. And that's what's interesting. Yeah. It's like, what does that mean? Yeah, like what's every happening? time. Anyways, so <laughs> what I'm describing is what I'm calling uh self self mythologizing. Mm-hmm. Where it's like I am toying with a personal myth Mm. and the easiest way to describe this is i am writing a story the same way that you might write a novel or the same way you might stand up at a campfire and just make up a story whatever that process would be once upon a time there was a boy i'm doing that Mm -hmm. like literally i'm saying okay so there's a there's a character and his name's Aaron. Mm -hmm. where is he uh he's in the desert it's like, okay, what is he doing? It's like, he's lost. Mm. And so I'm actually, you know, saying these things out loud. Um, and when Alyssa and I have done it, I'm actually talking to her as I do this. Mm-hmm. And that seems to work. Whereas like, I can't just stay inside my head and do it. It doesn't seem to work. I actually yeah. have to like speak it. Yeah. Um, but 
what I'm doing is I'm creating some kind of structure, some kind of framework that the unconscious can fill. Mm -hmm. And so there's Mm -hmm. more of an egoic imposition happening here than you might say would be typical of active imagination. Um, But um, another, another facet of this is like I've, uh, divided my personality into like six characters, mm-hmm. which is not something set in stone. It just, it's useful. Yeah. Maybe I'll do seven characters eventually. Maybe I'll eliminate one because it's like, no, that one doesn't really work. But there's essentially a character that's a, a little boy. There's a character that's like a really cold, robotic, calculating uh, king or commander mm-hmm. of some kind. Um, there's a weird, sneaky, mischievous trickster yeah. that just pranks everyone all the time. Yeah. Um, there's a higher consciousness character that's like God, basically. Mm-hmm. It's like the self, yeah. the Jungian self, but it's like the highest form of what I could be, what's calling me to become. I'm like trying to become this through individuation, you, you would say. And the last character is kind of the most hard to describe but essentially some like form of like pure like darkness and chaos Mm. um and then there's me excuse me (sighs) bubble in my throat uh and then there's me i'm the last character and me as i am now Mm -hmm. the the way that i sort of picture myself as being real in this world it's like i'm somehow traveling into a fantasy world yeah um and interacting with these characters and this seems to activate some place that's very emotional and uh heavy and painful to Mm -hmm. me when i do this in a way that i can't do when um i'm just talking about myself so um we'll try and illustrate this live okay in some way and that doesn't mean i'm about to like get into like a place where i start bawling (laughs) over over the air i don't i don't think that's gonna happen but just just to kind of illustrate like what i am talking about yeah um and one way we could anchor it just to start is like if i'm going to we're about to move we're about to move to arizona and i'm going to try and tell a story about what's happening and why and i haven't thought about this at all going Mm -hmm. in beforehand i'm just going to try and make it up as i go and try in some sense to let it just bubble up to the surface and hopefully that's letting the unconscious speak Mm. while the ego is still kind of close by to sort of like lay down a a framework mm-hmm. so okay and Alyssa's gonna ask me questions as i go yeah in an attempt to prod and challenge me and yeah. maybe that'll help or maybe it'll be distracting it's that you never know so. <laughs> sometimes it's both <laughs> sometimes it's both so we're gonna try this for just a little bit and just to kind of illustrate a different version of this okay we often start this by wanting to know how Aaron, you know as he is is going to kind of move into this story or how he's going to kind of access where we're going or find the other characters. So set the stage for us, Aaron. How are you getting into this place? Okay. So I'm here right now in my room in real life. Um, and the higher consciousness version of me, whose name is Arcus, it's the name that I've given him, um, is going to transport me to the desert. In Arizona, which is where we're moving. Are you there? Yeah. What do you see? It's flat. 
There's no buildings. There's no people. It's just the sun is low in the sky. There's very stereotypical, like, cacti around. There's creatures, like snakes and scorpions and jackrabbits and vultures. And it's almost like a cartoon desert. But that's where I am. Why? Because it's where I have to go. There's no map, and there's no path, and there's no shelter. It's just sort of a vacuous uh, emptiness that I need to step into. For some reason, I need to leave behind the structure that I've been in. Where is Arcus? Arcus, who is the god version of me, the higher consciousness version, is uh, somewhere in the sky above me. And he sort of floats and takes on a very stereotypical meditative um, posture with his eyes closed. And it's as if he knows everything that's going to happen. And he has absolute power to control what will happen. But he's not going to do anything. He's just there to hold the space, you might say. Maybe intervene if something that's not meant to be is going to happen. Who are you going to be meeting in this space? I don't know. It's not clear to me that anyone's going to be there at all seems like I'm just going to wander into some uh, some kind of gorge some kind of valley of some kind that's empty but I'm just walking towards it you have anything with you? I have my knife which is the knife I really own in real life, which is a camping knife that's prominent in my dreams, but it's with me. Um, I have a water bottle, like a canteen that's hooked to my belt. Um, I have a white t-shirt and jeans and boots. What are you doing right now? I'm walking through the through the uh, the valley. Anything that catches your eye? There's a crystal. For some reason, in in the wall of the valley. Are you gonna go over to it? Yeah, it sort of catches my eye. It's like shining into my eyes. That's why I notice it. So I walk over to it. It's almost like I'm treasure hunting or something. 
besides my fist. And reach over and try to remove it from the wall, but I can't. It's stuck. Are you meant to get it? feel like I am, but I also doubt myself knowing what the hell I'm doing out here. Mm. But I take out my knife and I try to dislodge it by sticking the knife into the wall. And as I do this, the knife point snaps off and the knife slips cut my hand really badly and I start to freak out because I'm alone and I don't have any first aid or anything and I also broke my knife which is really not cool because I like this knife a lot and I'm just sort of sitting there on the ground bleeding badly and trying to stop the bleeding and there's vultures overhead who seem to be knowing what's happening and I'm wondering why Arcus won't help me but I also know that he can't because this is meant to happen for some reason someone else supposed to help you I don't know, but the episode ends there, mm. and you're left hanging, wondering what's going to happen next, because it seems like Arn's in a lot of trouble, and it kind of zooms out slowly, like bird's eye view, it zooms out of the valley, and you mm. can see Arn sitting on the ground bleeding, bleeding profusely, um, and there's some kind of like silly, over-the-top western music that plays as it zooms out. And then I'm back here in the room. Hmm. Okay. I think it's interesting. The knife breaking. It's a pretty prominent uh, theme in your actual dreams, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, we talked about this in previous episodes, but the knife is a significant symbol for me. Excuse me. Um, and my, you know, I don't think it's that mysterious what the knife represents. I think the knife kind of represents like power and uh, agency and mm. it kind of represents like the logos in some in some way. Mm. The logos meaning like the thing that creates order or like brains, uh, brains things into uh, proper being, you might say. But I don't know. Things are always going wrong with my knife in my dreams, which usually is some sort of commentary on like feeling feelings of failure or powerlessness or the mm. inability to make things work properly or uh, breaking my power by trying to use it, mm-hmm. injuring myself. Yeah. Um, 
but yeah, I mean, you know, to someone listening, like what I just did, like, I feel like it's very easy to sound like, well, you just like made that up. Mm -hmm. You're just talking while you make that up. And it's like, that's not that anything that interesting, but, uh, I didn't go into that thinking about what was going to happen at all. Yeah. I just sort of started talking and, um, it's not the same as journeying, obviously. And it's not as simple as like, well, the unconscious is just like sort of speaking, speaking and you're just letting it speak. It's like, this is a little bit different, but still it's like, there's something. Why was the story about being lost by myself in the desert and then like trying to accomplish something, like trying to reach for something valuable and beautiful or something that like represents like the key. Mm. And in doing so, I break my power and agency Mm. and sit there dying to me seems to speak to some serious fear yeah <laughs> about what's about to happen mm. um some doubt and some anxiety around this move as being something that's like what if i'm just totally going to fuck myself up doing this mm. leaving like what i know in favor of taking like a leap to kind of become what i think i need to become yeah but, you know, the story wasn't over because it's never it's over. Yes. So we could have kept going and who knows yeah. where it would have gone. Honestly, when we do these, your versions, the self-mythologizing, they go on for like an hour, which is also very untypical for like classic active imagination or shamanic right. journeying. And it's different, right? Like there's a dynamic happening between us and I'm kind of asking questions. I have no idea where you're going with it. Yeah. Um, so... This is a very different approach, but I think it's really powerful and I think it's tapping, tapping into similar dynamics. I think so. It'd be interesting. I mean, cause I could theoretically probably just keep on going until I just like got way too tired to keep talking or too hungry. <laughs> yeah. And it'd be interesting to see like if you were actually kind of really doing an intense session where you like were trying to do it all day. Yeah. What, where you might go. I mean, who knows? I mean, like, because part of me feels like I might actually like work through some things by oh, doing yeah. that yeah, yeah, yeah. in a way that like seems kind of like strange. Like, how can that happen? Mm-hmm. Where it's like, well, I just like wrote a novel today about myself, and in the novel this happened, and now I feel a lot better about like where I'm going. I feel like I have a better idea yeah. of what my story is. And the the thing about this is, this is going to be a, a longer episode than usual. Um, but that's what happens when you try to demonstrate uh, these kind of practices. Um, but there's something about narrative and myth and story that is more real to us than real life. Yeah. And I've said this before, but this is like an important thing to understand is that we tend to think of like a story or like a movie as being fictional. Mm. And there's no truth in it. Basically it's just like, well, it's just a story. It's not real, but it's, it's kind of backwards often because the stories are, are usually more real to us than reality yeah. in a way because we tend to think of reality as being sort of like this material, objective thing. And that's reality. Mm. But the thing is like what's more real to us is our story, yeah. is our myth, is our experience. And so you watch a movie, for instance, you watch Children of Men, which, oops, dropped my phone. You watch Children of Men, um, which is my favorite movie. Um And I feel like when you do that, you're seeing a snapshot of the world. It's a gateway to what the world is actually like and what's really happening to us and the the crisis of humanity that we're experiencing right now. And you actually see it. You actually see the crisis. You actually see Mm. 
reality. You actually see humanity and for what it is through the movie. Yeah. Like it's a gateway to truth. Mm. And you see it better than if you turn on the news. Mm. You turn on the news and you think you're seeing what's real. But to most people, the news is just kind of, it doesn't compute really. It's kind of boring. It's easy to sort of like ignore it. Yeah. Where it's like, oh, a tsunami just like killed like 20,000 people in Indonesia. Huh. Okay. Like back to my normal day. It's like you don't actually register that that's real. Right. But if you watched a movie about the tsunami, mm. you would cry and yeah. you might be like, holy shit. Like, I can't believe this actually happened to people. Like, oh my God, it's being dramatized in front of me. And so the story is actually more real than mm. what happens if you try to just like look out your window at reality. It's like you don't really see what's real. You don't really see the world. Yeah. And you try to like read a history book or watch the news and you still, you're not really seeing what's real, but you like you look through a story and mm. you can kind of make contact with what's real in this strange way that's sort of counterintuitive. And so yeah. I think of this self-mythologizing as in some sense it's making contact with who I really am. Mm. That's different than if I was going to look at a uh, literal factual timeline of my life and be like, oh, okay, all this stuff happened to me. and Or I'm looking in the mirror and that's really me. It's like, no, the story of me, this myth of me is actually in some sense more real. Yeah. And that's why it makes me emotional, I would say. Yeah. Psyche has a narrative structure embedded deep within it. You know, we've talked about this with, dreams we've talked about this in our personal myth episode to me narrative is one of the cornerstones of of just psychic reality um so even for me doing my more like journeying style active imagination it feels like a story that's unfolding and when you dream and you do dream work, you recognize that there's a narrative structure, that there's a dramatic structure that's happening here. You're merely externalizing that process and we're talking through it and that works for you. Um, but the principle is still really similar. So mm. it's a way for you to tap into that, you know, constant narrative that's happening inside of us and to, to view it and get another episode of it and then to work with it and understand it more and, ask yourself what it reveals about what you're going through right now. Yeah. And you know, I think that what this really illustrates and this is part of the point of exploring what you do and what I do is that like you have to figure out what works for you. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And what Alyssa is describing, it might not work for you. Mm-hmm. What I'm describing probably won't work for you, but, but maybe <laughs> it will. It depends on your personality type. Um, yeah. And uh, you can experiment around with self-expression essentially mm-hmm. in meditative states. And you can build something for yourself that helps you tap into this realm um, of buried, banished material mm. and bring it into conscious awareness. And um, it's true for any practice. It's just you, you, have, you have to find one that is shaped and has been sculpted to unlock who you are. And it might take time to do that, but it's certainly worth it. Do you have a question for us? Do you have a dream you'd like us to analyze? Is there a topic you'd like us to cover? We want to hear from you. Contact us through the submission form, which can be found at our Instagram page at Golden Shadow Podcast. Or if you're listening on YouTube, you can find the link in the description down below. Thanks for listening. See you later. If you find this podcast useful, please consider supporting us on Patreon. Go to patreon.com slash golden shadow podcast. Thank you.